The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus told the disciples a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. But later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. Yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Our readings this morning bring to mind something that stuck with me for the past 12 years. About 12 years ago, I began a journey into religious life with the Brotherhood of St. Gregory. And one of the things that happens when people come and enter the postulancy is that they are given a prayer book signed by our founder and our minister general. Now, if you dig at all about Richard Thomas Bernanke, our founder and minister general, you will find very quickly that he is a character. Most founders of religious communities are, by nature. But something very important in his teaching that he has given to so many over the years is what he writes in the cover of each prayer book that is given to those starting out on a new way of life, and that is, he writes, be faithful. As he is fond of saying, we are not called to be successful, we are called to be faithful. Something I think we all need to hear in these days of chaos, right? We are called to be faithful. He knows something about this because when he first founded the community in 1969, for about the first five or six years, it was just him and sort of a revolving door of men coming in and out of the life of the community. They would try it out. Some of them would even make life vows, and then they would go on to find something else. Today, the community is much larger It has spawned a parallel community of women. And over the years, a number of the brothers have become influential in the church. But that is not because they endeavored to be successful, he would point out. It's because they have been faithful. 
Our first reading today from Genesis is one of the earliest stories in our tradition and in the tradition of our Jewish sisters and brothers about conversion. And it needs a little bit of explanation because we only have a portion of the story and we're missing some of the context. You notice that phrase at the very beginning of the reading, that same night. What's just happened is that Jacob who was known as the supplanter and the deceiver, has learned that his brother Esau is approaching. If you remember the story, Jacob and Esau were twins. Esau was born first, and so it was considered his birthright to inherit all that their father Isaac had to give. But there was a little conspiracy, and Jacob's mother worked with him to fool Isaac into granting the birthright blessing to Jacob, robbing Esau of what was his. As you can imagine, Esau was furious, and the two brothers parted company on bad terms. Today's story occurs many years later. Jacob has had no contact with his brother. In the meantime, both have come into fortune. And Jacob doesn't know whether Esau is coming to him to greet him in peace or whether he is coming to rightly gain vengeance. And Jacob is terrified. So Jacob does what Jacob has always done. He hatches a plan to preserve his livelihood and his family. He divides the company into groups. He puts them in different places. So if there is an attack, they won't all be wiped out. And he even separates his family from himself and goes into the darkness alone. He enters what many centuries later John of the Cross would call a dark night of the soul. Many of you can probably identify with that. Whenever traumatic things have happened or whenever we are confronted with a crisis or when we have reached a point of decision and have to step out into a world that we scarcely understand or can imagine, We enter these dark nights not knowing what the new day will bring. And if we are being honest, like Jacob, we get through those nights often by wrestling with our God. Jacob doesn't recognize God at first. Maybe he thinks it's Esau who has come to him under cover of darkness to wrestle with him. But in that moment of recognition that Jacob has been confronted at least by an angel, say some commentators, or maybe the divine self, Jacob realizes his life has been permanently changed. And as a marker, yes, his hip is put out of joint. 
but also God gives Jacob a new name, Israel, one who strives with God, a name that will be passed on to all of the subsequent generations, the name of a new people. If that isn't incredible enough, Jacob also starts to gain an inkling that his old way of life is finished. The life of the supplanter and the deceiver, which has gotten him through all these years and probably helped him amass the fortune and family that he has, will no longer serve him. He has met a God who will not conform to his plans and schemes. It means the old way of being is done. And it's encapsulated in that moment when he asks to know the name of the person he's been wrestling with. And God asks him, why do you want to know my name? which says two things at least. One is, you know who I am. But the other is, you're asking for my name because you want power over me. The scheming stops here. You are on my turf now. This is about my plans and my agenda. Which means when the sun comes up, Jacob faces a whole new reality in front of him. I'll let you read the rest of the story to find out what happens when he meets Esau. That's your work. This moment of conversion is something deeply precious in our lives, but it is costly because it means we have to give up our sense of having control over our own destiny. It means we have to be willing to be renamed by our God, at least in spirit, if not in reality. It means we have to let go of everything we thought we knew. The most powerful figure in our readings today, of course, is the widow in Jesus' parable, is she not? Her position in the irony of the gospel is uniquely blessed because she has nothing to lose. The judge is kind of familiar to us, right? You know, the judge is the one whom we know in our own hearts and sometimes in our lives, who's deeply cynical about the world and does what he feels like doing. And if you push him hard enough, he'll say, you know what, the thing about other people is that they're a, they're a mistake. But the widow perseveres because she has the gift that Jesus invites us to cultivate in ourselves and in those under our care, and that is the gift of hope 
and faith. Perseverance is the key, Jesus tells his disciples and his followers, a message they will need to keep moving forward with the gospel. And so he asks, you know, when the time comes, will faith be found on earth? Will you persevere? He's asking each of us. Echoed by the author of 2 Timothy, writing a few generations later, to a young leader in a small community that is probably struggling at the margins of empire, has probably experienced persecution, has certainly experienced the revolving door that we all know exists in the church. Persevere. That's his instruction. Be faithful. That's the only measure. Something for us to take heart at this time in the 21st century, living as we do in a part of the world that has very little in the way of church going, in a community that continues its struggle to pull people back in and back together after the scattering of the pandemic. Be faithful. Persevere. That is our calling. We are liberated then from our need to feel like we are responsible for absolutely everything. Place things in the hands of our God, who meets us in the darkness, offers us a blessing commends us to a life of faith, a life of hope, a life given that the world may live. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.